we're going to be talking about uh, having how establishing unshakable faith. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, over the, if you've been here, if you haven't, you need to go back and listen. But over the last few weeks, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean, they've taught ser these series. Uh, one of them was your progress should not have no end, right? Having unlimited progress. And, and we're talking about Proverbs 4 and 12. And, and through that message, uh, Pastor Evan has started a series that I think he'll continue this Wednesday called Thriving Through the Storm. Uh, and each one of these messages contained uh, are designed to assist you and I to live out our best lives, right? Because we got to understand that we are living a life without limit when we, when we walk along with him. That's what Proverbs 4 and 12 says, when we walk along with him. And that Pastor Edwin uh, is setting us up to understand that though we are in this world and that we may have turmoil, that we have already God has already overcome the world, that we will, will thrive through the storm. And so today I just want to have a complimentary message that will support those two series. And it's talking about how to establish an unshakable faith or basically unshakable, right? Because when we understand what the word of God is, the word is not shakable. It does not falter. It's unmovable. It always accomplishes that it was sent out to do. And when we walk along with the word, when we walk along with God, when we take on those throne re those thoughts of the throne room reality. When we spend time in the word, then we too become unshakable because God told us in Genesis that he has made us in our, his image and his likeness. If God is unshakable, then so can I. I can be unshakable as well. Go ahead and say that. Say, if God is unshakable, then I can be unshakable as well. Right? It doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what my kids do. It's not doesn't matter what my spouse is doing. No matter the circumstances of life, I can be unshakable. The Bible says be unmovable, always abounding, right? I have the ability not to waver. But in order to walk in that in, in that place of being unshakable, in order to do that, then there are some things that we got to do. All right. We understand that the will of God is not automatic. We've talked about that. We're going to talk about that some today. The will of God is not automatic, right? Every premise, uh, of God also has a faith fight attached to it. So if you thinking that you're going to just get saved and you're going to see all the wonderful things that God has for you without the enemy trying to throw in some thoughts, trying to cause the world just happening and things going on, that's just not true. You got to understand that as a believer, I use the word of God as my defense against all things that the enemy can bring my way. The Bible talks about the shield of faith. It's something that I pick up and it quenches all the fiery darts of the enemy. And so our faith is the thing that establishes our foundation in God. That is the thing that establishes and helps us to become unshakable. It says we got to know that God has a plan for you. God, God just didn't create you. He didn't create Madir. He didn't create Tierra. He didn't just create Malaya. He had a plan for you. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says it this way. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You have a hope and a future. However, the plans of God does not manifest automatically. Uh, they don't. They don't manifest automatically. If they did, everybody would already be saved. But every promise, we must expect a faith fight. The enemy is going to 
isn't going to willingly give you access to manifestation without temptations. He's not going to willingly give you access to manifestation. He's going to do his best to get you to sabotage your own future. Now, I want you to hear what I said there. He's going to do his best to get you, Etoy, to get you, April, to get you, Serena, to get you, Amy, to sabotage your own future. Why? Because the enemy himself is powerless against you. He gives you thoughts. He gives you scenarios. He gives you bumps in the road to get you to speak those things into life. He gets, he's, you get an unexpected bill in the mail, right? You get this to happen. You get a diagnosis at the doctor. We get all these things to happen. The enemy has no power until we use our thoughts as God-like creatures, until we use our words to bring flesh to the thought that the enemy planted within our minds. And so that's why it's going to be careful that as we go through today, that we take time to understand the importance of saying what God has said, the importance of doing what God has done, the importance of taking every thought that's contrary to the will of God captive and putting it into obedience. It's going to be really careful that we do that because the enemy has no power over you other than that which you relinquish and give to him. All right. And here's the thing that we got to understand that God is finished. God is resting. He is finished. He is resting. And he has put the earth, us in this earth to rule over. Ever is, is bronze's job to, to rule over the earth. It's Etor's job to rule over the earth. It's my job to rule over the earth. It's Courtney's job to rule over the earth. God isn't doing anything. He is, he says the heaven, the heavens belong to God. Psalms 115 and 16 in the message. The heaven of the heavens is for God, but he put us in charge of the earth. So it's my responsibility to trust the king and participate in his plan. Because you understand that kingdoms are only taken, not because the king goes and visits the place. The king sends regents, the king sends governors, the king sends armies to take over land. And so God says, yeah, I got heaven, but I sent you, uh, Latonia, to rule over the earth. And so a lot of times we miss out on God because we're waiting on God to do something that he has already empowered us to do. It's my responsibility to trust the king and participate in his plan. And when I, my rulership on earth is not about what Ralph wants to do, but it's about the king who sent me into this territory. Back in the old day when, when, when territory was taken by kings, one reason the king took territory is to indicate how powerful the king was. The more land the king had, the more powerful he was. And so the king didn't go personally to every new land and to scope it out. He didn't go personally to every uh, organization, to every company, to everything and take it. He sent people. And so we're the sent ones of God to rule over this earth and make it look like heaven. But if we won't take our place as kings, uh, as regents of the earth, if we won't do that, then we'll always be asking God to do for us what he has equipped and empowered us to do for ourselves. You wanting God to heal you, and God's already gave you the words and the way to be healing. He's got, you want to be debt free, and God has already given you the plan and the pathway for debt freedom. You want your marriage to be whole, but God has already given you the pathway and the things you need for your marriage to be whole. But if you waiting on God to come in and do for you what he has equipped you to do, then you won't ever get it done. 
It's like the other day, one of my boys, I don't forget which boy, said, Daddy, I'm hungry. And I was like, well, I prepared a table for you. <laughs> it's in, I mean, I prepared the food for you, baby. He says, but I'm hungry. I prepared the food for you. It's in the kitchen. I've already fixed your plate. And so the question is, are you willing to go get what your father's already prepared? But you can't do that if you're not willing to participate. So those, those salvation is free, right? Salvation was free. The meal to my boys is free. It required their participation. You got to get up and do something. So how do you participate? That may be a question. How do you participate? How do I, how do I establish a faith that's unshakable? Let's go to Luke 6. That's going to be our foundation for today. Let's go to Luke 6. Luke 6, verses 47 through 49. All right. It says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Let's just hold up. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. So number one, I got to hear what God has said and I got to do what God has said. It says, I will show you what they're like. What are they like? They're like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. Now, I'm not sure if y'all have ever dug a hole before, but you know, I mean, digging, I, I built, I, I grew up, I like doing stuff with my hands, so I built my own fence. When I was building my fence, some of the posts had to be three feet in the ground. And so you, you went that far so that it was below the frost line, which is not that great in Arkansas, but to establish a firm foundation because the foundation is firmer the farther you dig. It says they dug down deep, but the thing about digging down deep, it requires effort. It says they laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was built well. But the one who hears my words, all right, there's one who's going to hear the word, but they do not put it into practice. It's like a man who built a house on the ground, right? The earth without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and that destruction was complete. A couple of things from there that we'll break down. All right, number one, I got to hear and do the word of God. All right, that means I got to participate in my own rescue. All right. Doing that means that I got to dig down deep, right? That doesn't sound like something that I just come to church and, and do stuff on Sunday and Wednesday, and that's enough. Digging down deep means that I got to consistently apply pressure, that I may encounter a rock along the way that requires me to dig around it and pull it out the hole in order to keep digging down deep. So that may be some, you may encounter some things, right? But you know that you got to establish that foundation or else whatever you build will not be firmly planted. It says that in verse 49, it says that, uh, I can't be one that hears the word and does not put it into practice. So coming to church does Raph no good if Raph doesn't do what the word says, right? So many of us come being on this live does you no good if you're not going to put the word into practice. We can't just attend without participating actively. The Bible says, show me your faith without your works. It's dead, right? Faith without works is dead. So we got to both hear and do in order to have an unshakable faith, all right? And it says, built a house on the ground. We'll get to that because if you notice that that word ground, I inserted the word earth. 
because one translation said a man that builds his house on the earth. Well, if you go over to Genesis, really what that's talking about, when we build houses on earth, that means we're building houses from our flesh. Because in Genesis, it tells us that God uh, formed man out of the dust of the world, earth. So anytime I build a house on earth, I am building a house on my flesh. And Jeremiah 17 and 5 says, Cursed is the man that makes flesh his arm, or empowered to fail is the man that makes flesh his arm. Anytime I build anything, on my own effort, on my own opinion, on my own thoughts, on my own self, then it causes me to lack a foundation that could withstand the storms of time. And here's the thing that you gotta, we got to establish up front. Being a believer will not exempt you from life circumstances. So just because the storm, the storm came to both houses, only one failed. So the fact that you experience a th storm doesn't mean your faith doesn't work. The fact that you experience a storm simply is an indication, baby, that you live in. Because as long as you live, you will experience sucker punches. You will experience unexpected events. You will experience things that don't line up with the word. You will experience heartbreak. You will experience disappointment. You'll experience failure. And you can't account those things to the fact that you lack faith because being a believer does not exempt you from life circumstances. So just because Big Mama died and you prayed and you fasted and you gave tithe and you gave offering and you did all these things, you can't say that your faith did not work. So that's one way the enemy always tries to get us is try to make it seems like, oh, he wants us to center ourselves. And that's a, that was a word that God gave me. He says, Ralph, you got to stop centering yourself in kingdom activities. And we'll get to that in a moment. So we got to establish these few things. Being a believer does not exempt you from life circumstances. The second thing that you got to understand, it rains on the just and the unjust. You can run over Matthew 5 and 45. Bad things do happen to good people. All right. And the enemy tries to get you to sabotage your own future by doubting God. So what he says is this. How can God be good when he took your big mama? Because you have a misunderstanding of God. You think that the fact that... My, Big Mama died had to do with God needing another angel. You think the fact that Big Mama died had to do with, with, with God calling her home early. No, that's not God doing those things. You got to understand that we exist in a world where sin is prevalent, where sin is there. And so sometimes good, bad things happen to good people. But if the enemy can sabotage you into thinking that God was participatory in the fact that your grandma, your child, your spouse, or, or someone you cared about died early, then he can get you to believe that God is double-minded. Is that and you won't know which God's gonna show up? Is it the God that blesses, or is it the God that takes away? Is it the God that's happy, or is it the God that's angry? Is it the God that's consistent, or is it the God that's inconsistent? And so the enemy is always looking for ways to open doors for you to sabotage your own future. Psalms 105 says it this way, so we can get this one out of the way. For the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His loving kindness and everlasting and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Go ahead and type that. Say the Lord is good. The Lord is good. James 1 and 17 says it like this. Every good thing given and every perfect gift from above 
coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation. All he can do is good. But if you, if the enemy can get you to believe that God caused bad to happen in your life, it goes back to what Pastor Sean said uh, last Sunday, right? And then Pastor Edwin expounded on this past Wednesday is that God does not tempt you, but God will test you, right? God does not tempt you, but God will test you. He won't bring, God doesn't bring sickness upon you, but but when sickness does show up, then you can use the word of God to give, be delivered from sickness. I mean, so God isn't tempting you. He isn't out here setting you up for failure. He isn't that, that you see those crazy shows where, where somebody's married and one of the spouse go out and say, hey, I'm going to hire somebody to see if my spouse will cheat on him. God ain't out there doing you like that. That's not God. But if you believe that God would do such a thing, then you give yourself permission to uh, mess up your foundation. You become shakable because your faith can't believe in something that you also think will hurt you. Because I don't know which one going to show up. All right. And here's the third thing that we got to establish up front. The enemy always tells lies. He always lies. John 8, 44. He has nothing to do with the truth. That's what the enemy said. The Bible says the enemy has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, Courtney, if the enemy told you you're going to be broke, that is indication that victory in your finances is available because all he's able to do is not lie. If he told you you're going to die, that is an indication that life exists for you in the future because all he does is lies. The enemy isn't about telling you good things. He is only capable of speaking out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so when the enemy tells you that you won't have enough money, when the enemy tells you that you won't make it through, when the enemy tries to convince you that, that you're the only one that ever went through this, those are all lies because that's all he's capable of doing. And so what you do, the Bible talks about how we know the ways of the enemy and that we, because we know that he's a liar, then I can use the very words of the enemy enemy to be able to fuel my faith to know that God will bring me through because the enemy is taking time out to tell me how I won't make it. And he's a liar. That is only indication that I've already made it, that, that my victory is already assured, that I've already walked in prosperity. But this, the word of the year says this, as your victories pile up, right? That's what it says. As your victories pile up, don't forget who brought you to this place, right? So the enemy always tells lies. You can't trust God. You have to do things your, yourself. That's that's one of the lies the enemy tells you. You can't trust God. You got to do it yourself. You you can be passive about, you know, sin ain't really that big of a deal. Why? Because all the enemy can do is present thoughts that you then bring to life. You know, sin ain't that, it ain't that big of a deal, uh, 
uh, Brenda, if uh, that's just a little thing, that ain't a big deal. I know he told you not to eat that cake, but you know, go ahead and eat that extra cake. I know he told you not to uh, date that person, but you know, he got a good job. I mean, he's nice. Uh, he goes to church. You know, that ain't a big deal because he can lull you to sleep with that. Then he can erode your foundation, which makes you shakeable. He, this enemy is like, this is a lie he tell you. It's it just too hard to change. Just stay the same. He gets you to play on your feelings, right? He gets you like, you don't got to tithe and give. That ain't that big of a thing. You know, that's Old Testament, right? I mean, what's the point of giving? Because if he can convince you not to participate in the systems that God has set up for your life, then he can also get you to uh, participate in the, uh, in the debt, depression, destruction that's available for those who choose not to do it God's way. So yeah, you don't got to give, but then you also don't have to receive because the Bible says that that those who give receive. So if you don't participate in giving, how will you ever receive? And so now you're out here expecting God to bless you, but you haven't put a seed in the ground. How many farmers do you know go looking for a harvest without putting a seed in the ground? But the enemy can convince you that it doesn't take all that. You don't got to give your time. You don't got to give when God says give. It's your money anyway, right? If he can convince you of that, then he can set you up, all right? You got to understand that God, we preached a message on uh, in Conway one time. We have to go find it. It was good, though. God ain't mad no more. God is not upset with you. God is not angry with you. God is only trying to get you to experience your best life, right? So going back to Luke 6, so what did they do? How did that person who was standing the storm, what happened? They built their, they dug deep and built their house on the rock and their salvation. What was that rock and salvation? Psalm 62, 1, through 1 and 2 says this way. I wait quietly before God for my victory comes from him. Where does your victory come? It comes from him. He alone is my what? My rock and my salvation. My fortress where I will never be shaken. In Christ, I am never shaken. Go ahead and type that. In Christ, I am never shaken. When my faith is in Christ, I am never shaken. Proverbs 4 and 12, I will summarize. I will not be limited in any way when I walk along with him. Other words, when I'm with Christ, I have unlimited access. When I'm with Christ, I have no limits. When I'm with Christ, I am unshakable. So when I make Christ my rock and my salvation, then he becomes my fortress and I'm not shaken. So my unshakable faith has everything to do with who I'm choosing to believe. Your soul, I love what it says in there, it, uh, in the English Standard Version, it says, for God alone, my soul waits in what? Silence. Sometimes you got to tell your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect, just be quiet. We're going to hear God. I don't let the feelings of disappointment override me. Disappointment, be quiet. We're going to hear from God. I, I don't let depression. I don't let distractions. I don't let what my, my eyes are seeing with the economy cause me to feel like I won't have enough. I put my soul to silence as it waits on vo the voice of God. Because from him 
comes what? My salvation. That word salvation there means victory. So when I put my soul, I put my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, my intellect, I put all those things to silence and I hear God about my victory. Because if you let your soul rule your life, then your soul will always align with your flesh because that's what it naturally does. The Bible, I mean, I mean, Elder Valley teaches a message that we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved, right? And so your flesh, man, your soul is being saved. So I have to put my soul to silence so that I hear God, so that he can establish my victory and he could be my fortress so that I am unshaken, all right? I am unshaken. Understand that any victory you achieve outside the will of the Father is truly failure. Any victory that you achieve outside the will of the Father is failure. Disobedience, disobedience brings temporary relief and eternal destruction at the same time. Yeah, I know you just needed some, right? I know that you you were just itching and and, and you, you he gave you the the, uh, the 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 that feeling, or she gave you that feeling, and, and that you just needed that itch scratched, and, and, and you went and had sex, right? And, and you went and did was intimate with somebody that wasn't your spouse. And so that temporary relief, right, brings longstanding destruction. Whether you've given your emotion, you've given of yourself to somebody else, whether they get pregnant or they not get pregnant, whether you get an STI or not get an STI, whether the emotional issues that comes up and all these other things and ultimately the failure to please God by acting upon your flesh and not listening to God. Your disobedience brings temporary relief while also bringing long-standing destruction at the same time. So you got to understand that, yeah, I, this may satisfy me in a moment, but it's going to leave me broken for the long term. And you may like, no, it doesn't. You're like, I don't sleep with a lot of people. I feel just fine. Right. Until you married and now you're struggling with comparing all the people you slept with, with the spouse that you're going to spend forever with. Now you're thinking about Susie or John who did it this way. And now you're trying to make your spouse align to how Susie or John did it. And your spouse is now confused about why you're asking and demanding all these things because you got a porn addiction and you, you're trying to bring all that into something that's holy and you're bringing all this in there. And now you're breaking something that God has meant to be good because you didn't deal with things of your past that temporarily satisfied satisfaction of scratching that itch is causing long-term issues. But see, the enemy wants you to think that it's okay, right? It ain't that big of a deal, but disobedience is always a big deal. Disobedience is always a big deal. So what we got to understand to have uns to be unshakable, we have to establish faith. Because without faith in God, we'll always be shaken, right? Hebrews 11 and 6 says it this way. But without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe, number one, that God exists, and number two, that he rewards those who seek him. So when I come to God, I must believe two things. Number one, God does exist. Number two, he rewards those that seeks him. So I don't have to worry about 
finances. I don't got to worry about healing. I don't got to worry about provision. I don't got to worry about those things because as long as I seek God, he is going to bring to me everything that I need. Why? Because your faith makes things possible. Anytime I operate in life without faith, I, I fail to invite God. Faith is an invitation for God to participate in your life. Without faith, there's no invitation. So without faith, your tears don't move, God, because I mean, how many times have you cried about something and then your, your solution still didn't show up? Why? Because your tears didn't move, God. How many times have you been broke and what you needed didn't come to pass? The provision didn't show up. Why? Because your lack didn't move, God. Some people have been sick and died from their sickness. All right? Why? Because being sick doesn't move God. The only thing that moves God, the only thing that invites God to the table is our faith. And so we're going to be unshakable in the times to come. If we're going to thrive in times of uncertainty, if we're going to be able to withstand the storms of life, we got to understand that it is our faith that gives God invitation to enter into our situation. Our faith is our invitation for God to enter into our situation. And as believers, it is our job to take God seriously. If I don't take God seriously, then I don't see what he has for my life. And I'm not going to read this for the sake of time, but in Matthew 17, 19 and 20, it's the disciples and they couldn't cast out, uh, they couldn't heal the boy, they couldn't cast it out. And in verse 20, it says this, it says, because you're not yet taking God seriously. When we fail to take God seriously, then we are not doing our job as believers, all right? Because you're not yet taking God seriously, said Jesus. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, say you would tell this mountain, move and it will move. So how do I take God seriously? His word has more value than, value than everything else. How do I, because as a, as a believer, my job is to believe. And I remember Pastor C telling Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean about taking God seriously. And I remember them telling us, we got to take God seriously. And it's like, what does that even mean? Let me help you. Taking God serious means this, accepting as fact without having sense realm evidence what God said to be true. Accepting the word of God as fact without having any sense realm evidence. Pastor Sean gave some men words on Sunday. You guys have received words about salaries, $100,000 a year. You have received a word about this is your year, right? This is your year. You're already ready. You're blessed. You're ready and you shall win. You have received word. I don't need anything in the sense realm to align in order for me to believe God. That's what it means to take him seriously. We're not like doubting Thomas. Thomas was like, man, I, I believe when I see them holes in your hand. I believe when I see the scars on your head. And Jesus told him, he's like, Thomas, you believe because you have seen me, but blessed are those who believe having not seen. So empowered to prosper are the people, unshakable are the people who choose to believe God without having anything in their soul to rely on. Because I don't need my soul to align. I just need to take God seriously. I don't need my sense realm knowledge to see something before I believe it, because if I only believe it when I see it, then that is not indication of faith, and I have not invited God to the table. 
So how do I take God seriously? I accept as fact without, I accept God's word as fact without having any sense realm evidence. I don't center myself in kingdom matters. This is the one for me because God says, look, Following your emotions are indication that you have centered yourself, Ralph. And when I asked you to seek ye first the kingdom, I didn't ask you to consider how you felt. But so many times we don't do things that the kingdom desires for us to do because of how we feel. As long as you center yourself in kingdom things, then you'll often find yourself disobedient. Because Pastor Sean says that I serve at the pleasure of the king, or it pleases me to serve the king, right? That's what she says. So I don't find myself, and, and you know what this looks like, because some of y'all do it in relationships, all right? I don't always feel like going to the store when April asks me to, right? But I serve at the pleasure of my wife, or it pleases me to serve my wife. Feelings are put aside to make her happy. Feelings are put aside to, to, to take care of my kids. Feelings are put aside for that. You know what it looks like to put feelings aside. You didn't want to go to that movie. You didn't want to go on that date to the baseball. You don't even like sports, but you go. Why? Because the, the, the presence of that person outweighs the displeasure of what you wanted to do. And when we what happens is when we center ourselves in kingdom matters, then we often pull ourselves out of faith. It is a way that the enemy uses our sense realm understanding to sabotage our own futures. Because if he can get Everett or Courtney or or or, or Brenda to talk about how they feel or, or how hard this is or how I don't understand or how it's unfair. How, how, how does Everett get to go be a pastor and then I got to be the one over here greeting? How do they get to be the ones to be millionaires and you call me over here to be the one that's teaching in the classroom why do they go be get to be doctors god and you have called me to be a janitor right because we're that that that, that realm of comparison the realm of comparison is just a way that you're centering yourself and anytime you center yourself then you take your eyes off kingdom realities therefore you are not taking god seriously you're not able to accomplish the will of the kingdom because you got yourself in the middle so i had to tell myself rabbi rabbi God, I, I repent for centering myself. I repent for making this about me. I repent for putting my feelings above your, your desires. I repent for that. I will not center myself in kingdom matters. I will serve at the pleasure of the king. I, I repent for considering my reputation above you. I centered myself, God. I thought about how I felt or how I would look or how people would perceive me more. And I thought about it so much so it kept me, it prevented me from taking you seriously and praying for somebody. It prevented me from taking you seriously and sowing a seed. It prevented me from taking a job. It prevented me from doing this. And I halted kingdom work because I centered myself. And so if the enemy can just get you to center yourself, then though he, though you may still be okay, he keeps you from experiencing God's best. Because somewhere along the road, we, we understand that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But part of destroying is this. If God wanted you to be a millionaire, if he keep you at $100,000, he destroyed you. 
And see, what your soul says, what your flesh says, ain't nobody in my family ever made $100,000. Woohoo! you tuning your horn. You centering yourself, right? Because ain't nobody else that did it. But baby, that's so far from what God wants you to have. But if the enemy can destroy the whole by giving you a part, then he's done his job. And so we got to understand that destruction doesn't always look like nothing. It sometimes looks like less than what God wanted you to have. And the enemy's always okay with you having less than. He wants you to have nothing, but if he can have you less than, because then Everett can't sow to every, give to every good work and charitable donation. Then Courtney doesn't have the time to minister to certain people because she's in a job that God told her to leave, but it pays her more money than that pays her more money, so she stays on it. Why? So anytime we begin to find ourselves centered that way, then it prevents us from living God's best life, the John 10 and 10 type life. So, so many times, all right, that's what happens. So when we choose to not fully accept the word is truth, we give room for the enemy to challenge our faith. That's all I'm saying. When we choose to not fully accept the word is truth, we give room for the enemy to challenge our faith. This entry allows erosion to our foundation. So think about it. You own a home. You got a tree growing near your home. The tree is grow, you know, trees grow slow. It's beautiful. You got all of the shade during the summer. You got the pretty colors changing in the fall. It, it I mean, it, it keeps your cooling bill down, all of this. But what's happening over time is that that tree's roots is destroying your foundation. It looks good. It makes things convenient in your life. It makes life more comfortable. It, it, it provides you something you feel like you need, but at the same time, it's destroying your foundation. And the thing that the Lord asked me is this, Ralph, what do you have in your life that looks good, sounds good, and may be good, but it's out of position because I didn't call you to have it? See, there's nothing wrong with having that tree. It's just too close to the house. And so many times we let people, there's nothing wrong with them being a friend, but they were never meant to be a friend that long. They were never meant to be in your inner circle. They were never meant to be on your team. All of that look good and they provide a resource to you or the job provides a resource to you and it's attractive and you feel like you're benefiting from it. But at the same time, it's destroying your foundation and making you shakeable. And the Lord says, Ralph, what has made, what, what looks good in your life? What sounds good and may be good, but it's out of position. And what makes something out of position? Anything that God's not placed there. It's not that it's not good. It's just not good for you. Two years ago, I was diagnosed diabetic, right? I'm healed of the Lord, but I was diagnosed diabetic. And when you're diagnosed diabetic, there are some things that I now no longer consider food. I don't because there's nothing wrong with German chocolate cake. There's nothing wrong with ice cream. There's nothing wrong with a Snickers bar. There, there's nothing wrong with donuts and, and frappes and all of that. There's nothing wrong with them. They are good for a lot of people. They're just not good for me. And until we mature in the body of Christ to understand that something that may be good for Brenda is not good for me, and I'm able to now, and anything that God hates 
or God says it's not good for me, I now hate. It's no longer an option. Until we mature to that point, we'll always be shakable. We'll always be shakable. I know, I know. Well, it ain't fair. Uh, well, that the, they get to eat sweets and, and I don't. Well, you can talk about fairness or you can walk out the plan of healing God has for your life. Make a choice. You can be mature. I can go eat cake, run up my blood sugar, uh, yeah, run up the, my blood sugar, hurt my pancreas, hurt my body, and do all these things. I can I can do all that while all talking about how God, it ain't fair. Or I can simply work the plan God has given me for deliverance. And so what you got to understand is that in every plan of God, that it, it impacts if infinity impacts eternity, but every plan of man is limited. And so even if you got the perfect plan for your life, it'll always come up short because you're even everything perfect that a human could do in its perfection is limited. And so what I got to understand is that the enemy is always roaming and looking for access. And sometimes that access comes in a form of simple disobedience. The doctor told you to give up salt. Use low sodium. I don't like that, Miss Dash. That stuff nasty. I ain't eating that. Okay, then. The doctor told you you need to walk. I ain't got time to walk, but you don't watch, you don't watch all seven seasons of your favorite TV show. See, the practical walking out of deliverance, right? That practical part of walking out deliverance. You, you like the guy that God said, Go dip seven times. He's like, I ain't going to dip in that old nasty river. I ain't doing that. And, and his luckily, he had a good team. His team said, just go over there and do it. And he, he was delivered. But see, you think you're more highly. You don't like God's pathway for deliverance. So you chose your own. Psalm 119 and 96 says that even if you was a perfect human, which you're not, you're going to be limited. So your pathway, perfect or not, because it comes from a human perspective, is limited. You can't bring deliverance through earthly manners. You, you, you can't deliver yourself that way. If God has told you to do X, Y, and Z, and you decide to do A, B, and C, then A, B, C don't bring deliverance. And here's the thing about us. We're okay with improvement. We're okay with a little more. You know, I didn't make the 100000 that Pastor Evan said we should make, but I went from 60 to 92 and you become satisfied, right? So you gave the enemy access, right? Because what he said, his, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. What did he steal? He stole some of that mo your money. And so we got to understand that we have to always depend on God. We got to always depend on God, all right? So we can find God to our per per parameters to believe, right? God, I believe that you can heal me uh, uh, if, if if this occurs, like Thomas. God, I believe that 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 it's you. If I see the hole in your hand, God, I I, I can't I can't make a hundred thousand dollars. I don't have a degree. Who said you need a degree to make a hundred thousand dollars? Pastor, that wasn't the word. God, how? Uh, God, I can't do this. I'm a woman. God, we setting parameters to believe. Anytime you set a parameter to believe, it's like building your house on sand. You're building your house on the earth. You're building your house on your own parameters. So, so 
Thomas didn't exemplify any faith. Thomas didn't have to have faith to believe. He saw it. And see, that's not what happens. All of us who believe that to walk by faith, we must believe that God is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so the same thing that God told, uh, Jesus told faith, uh, Thomas, blessed are they who believe having not seen. I don't need to see a degree to make $100,000. But so many times we set our own parameters on what we're going to do, what needs to happen before we have faith in God. God tells you that you can be married this year, but God, I don't even have a job, but God, I don't this. So my question to you, what parameters have you set before you believe God? Because any parameters you set causes you to come out of faith. All parameters cause you to move outside of faith. Let's go to John 20, 24 and 29. All right. It says this. All of the 11 were present with the exception of Thomas. He heard the accounts of each brother's interaction with the Lord. It says the other disciples said, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said, until I see his hands, feel the wounds of the nails and put my hand to his side. I won't believe what you're saying. 26. Eight days later, they gathered again behind locked doors and Jesus reappeared. This time Thomas was with him. Jesus said to him, may each one of you be at peace. He drew close to Thomas and Jesus reached out his hand and said, touch me. See the punctures, reach out your hand and put them into my side. Leave behind your faithfulness and believe. Thomas says, you are the one true God and the Lord of my life. Jesus said, Thomas, you have faith because you see me. Blessed are those who never see me and yet they still believe. Believe. Why? Because believing is a matter of your will. Possibility for you has nothing to do with what, what, what others have or have not done, experienced or received, but my willingness to believe. Believing is a matter of your will. So I set my will to align with God. I set my soul to align with God. Believing is a matter of your will. For Thomas, he said his will to have, I got to see the hands. I got to see the scars. But what you got to understand is this. Possibility for you has nothing to do with what others have or have not done. God, how can I be a millionaire? Nobody else has done it in my family. Will you set your will to believe? How can I be healed from X when nobody else has been healed from X? Will you set your will to believe? Your ability to believe has nothing to do with anybody else's. My outcome is based on my willingness to trust God. That's how I become unshakable. I trust God more than I do what I, the things I have not seen. I've never seen anybody, Lord, get a house paid for cash and move into it. You don't have to have seen it to receive what God has for you. You're going to trust one or the other. So really what we're saying is, God, because I have yet experienced this in my earthly reality of being on this earth 39 years, then I am not capable of trusting you and taking your word seriously. My big mama wasn't a millionaire. My grandpa wasn't a millionaire. Nobody I know personally I can put my hands on as a millionaire. Therefore, God, I can't believe this word that you have for my life. And so at some point, we got to make a decision to say, I set my will to trust God more than I do anything else. Why? Because my capacity to receive is based on my willingness to believe God. My capacity to believe 
to receive is based on my willingness to believe God. Let me show you this in the word. Jesus went there to their house and the blind man sat in front of him. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. According to your faith, it will be done to you. And they could what? See. Jesus asked him, hey, do you believe I could do this? Now, you do understand that when Jesus asked them, guess what they were seeing? Black. <laughs> it was dark. They couldn't see nothing. But they, they couldn't see nothing. What they did was set their will to receive. They set their will. When Jesus was asking them, Jesus went in the house, do you believe I'm able to do this? What did the Bible say? Those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Lord, I believe that you are. Who are you? You are Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals. I believe that because I set my will and to receive, that you will do the thing that you have said that you will do, which is heal me. And they walked away and they could see. But my question is, have you set your will to believe God? Because that, I mean, when we trust that God is our fortress, he says we're unshakable. Have you set your will? Have you made God your fortress so that you can become unshakable? Because being unshakable is a choice to believe. Being unshakable is the choice to believe. What will I believe? Will I believe the prophet and prosper, right? Or will I believe the economist and fail? Will I believe my man and woman of God and what the word says? Or will I believe what my soul has told me? Will I believe the spiritual reality? Or will I believe what I can observe with my physical eyes? Will I be like Thomas? Or will I be like the blind man? Why? Because I am always setting my parameter to receive. The man that was by the water, you know the song, Go Trouble the Water. He's like, Lord, I, I couldn't get healed because nobody pushed me into the water. He has set a parameter. If don't nobody push me into the water, then my healing can't manifest. That was his parameter. If nobody pushes me in the water, then I can't see healing. But you're not healed based on somebody pushing you in the water. Your choice to be healed is based on what you choose to believe. Think about this one. It's kind of funny, but it's an example. Think about the Hebrew boy, Shadrach, Meshach. I mean, in a bit ago. Think about them. They knew, they believed that God would bring them through the fiery furnace. They refused to bow down. And the Bible says that they went through the fiery furnace and they didn't even smell like smoke because that's what they set their will to believe. But some of us might have came out alive, but we might have scars from being burned up. We were like, Lord, I know you'll bring me out alive. We, we, I know you'll see me through, Lord. But you don't believe that the Lord will bring you out whole. So now you got burn marks over 90% uh, of your body. You're alive, but you got signs to show you've been through it. The Bible says that, that, that he will make rivers go in dry places. The Bible says that he'll make dry bones live again. The Bible says that he will cause uh, food to be brought to you by birds. And he'll cause clouds of shade by day and a 
pillar of fire at night. The Bible says that he's able to part rivers. And so you receive from God based on what you're able to believe. So if you believe like that he'll bring you through, but you don't know how it will come out, then you can come out and you'll be living, but you'll have burn marks. All based on what you believe. All based on what you chose to believe. See, in that example, the Hebrew boys came out without smoke. Some of us came out with burn marks. Both of all of us were delivered. Our end results just look different. One looked like they had been through the fire, but the other didn't even smell like smoke. What will you believe, believer? Will you, will you believe that you're unshakable? Would you not be messed up by $5 gas and $4 gallons of milk? Will you not be messed up by $12 bags of apples and the fact that everything is increasing and the fact that jobs or job pay is not increasing at the rate of inflation? Will you be messed up by that or will you simply set your will to believe that God will bring you through whole, that he'll restore everything back to you? The word of God is your key to being unshakable. It's the only way that you will not be moved. It is the only way that you will not be moved. John 16 33 says it this way. I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? Perfect peace. In the world, yes, son. Yes, daughter. You will have some tribulation. Yes, there will be distress. And yes, there will be some suffering. But be courageous. Be confident be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. My victory abiding. I love that. There's two words I'm going to talk about there. That word undaunted. That word undaunted means not intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. He says, Ralph, Everett, Serena, Brenda, Trinika, April, Courtney, Latonya. Be undaunted. Don't be intimidated. Don't be discouraged by difficulty, danger, or disappointment. He says, I've already overcome these, sweetheart. I've already overcome that, sweetheart. I've got you. He says, my conquest is accomplished. Not being accomplished, not 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 being established. I ain't working on it. I've already purchased your victory. It's abiding. It's enduring. It will last forever. So he said, "Don't be, don't trip." I got you. That's what he said in, in 2022 language. Don't trip. I got you. As long as you walk with me. You will have no limits. As long as you make me your reside, your fortress, you will be unshakable. As long as you seek ye first the kingdom, I will give you everything that you need. Because what you got to understand is this, and Pastor John says this, and it always something I think about. God can afford your dreams. God can afford your dreams. I don't got to be shaken by the economy. My dreams, the thing that God has told me to believe for is not determined based off what the economy is doing. The fact that Pastor Evan said you can make a thousand, hundred thousand dollars a year is not, it's not dictated about the economy is doing. What will you set your will to believe? And regardless of what your soul tells you, you got to choose to trust God. Why? Because the enemy is always going to try to convince you that the word won't work by itself. He tries to erode your confidence. All right, let me hear it. We already, um, 
Oh, I forgot this is Sunday. We go a little longer, but we're almost done. How does the enemy try to cor uh, corrupt your thinking? How does he try to do those things? If the enemy can get you to lose confidence in God, it'll shake your foundation. And we talked about that, right? He looks for access. And one of the right disappointment is one way that the enemy tries to gain access to your life. I didn't get this job. My faith doesn't work. Somebody died. This came up. This happened. He uses disappointment to shake your confidence in God. And this is the thing that you got to understand. You can't cast away your confidence. You cannot cast away your confidence. You cannot cast away your confidence. Hebrews 10 and 35, I didn't put it in there, Kel. It says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. So anytime I allow the enemy to cause disappointment, to cause comparison, to cause anything like that, to cause me to lose confidence in God, then what I do is, I have the inability to be richly rewarded and I do not maintain the ability to persevere. Your confidence is needed so that you may have faith and that you may implore patience and patience may have our perfect work, which will leave you lacking nothing and perfect and unashamed. But anytime the enemy can get you to cast away your confidence in God, then he can get you to open a door to become shakable. And if he can get you shakable, then you will succumb to the wiles of the earth, to the fiery darts of the enemy, to the circumstances that Jesus has already overcome through his death on the cross. We will succumb to those things simply because we allow the enemy access to mess with our confidence. So that's why we got to protect our confidence and we got to understand the character of God. All right. So the battle to be unshaken is one that's one in my mind. Right. Because confidence isn't something you see on the outside. It's something it's a byproduct you see on the outside, but it starts in your mind. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says this, For we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons are wherefore are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down a stronghold, casting down what? Imaginations. So when the enemy tries to come in and say that God can't be trusted, you got to make a choice. Will I cast down this imagination or will I entertain it? When the enemy comes in and says, you can't, this ain't your year to be blessed. It ain't your year to be ready. It ain't your year to win. Will you cast down the imagination? Once again, the enemy only offers you thoughts contrary to God, and then he allows you to bring them to life with your tongue. So you saying, oh, so the enemy said, oh, Raph, you can't, this ain't your year. I mean, you you can't be healed from, 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 from diabetes. No, you can't do that. So I then got to cast down the imagination or I confirm what the enemy has said with my mouth. I guess I won't be healed from this. This is my diabetes. You know, you start take, you, you begin to take possession of some, I am a diabetic. I, I don't say that. I went to the doctor the other day. I was like, yeah, since I've been diagnosed. I don't say I am. I don't, I don't bring, I don't use the language to identify possession of something. One time I was talking to Kev, he and the thing, and I said something. He said, oh, whoa, 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 Ralph, fix it. It looks like possession. 
And I was like, thanks, bro. Why? Because that's the importance of taming your team. You got to cast down imagination. The enemy can only bring you thoughts. And then you as a God in the earth use your actions and your tongue to bring to pass the thought that got, that the enemy brought you. But if you do verse five and you cast down the imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and you bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, then you don't got to worry about that, right? Because our physical reality is a response to our mental reality. Our physical reality is a response to our mental reality. We are not millionaires in the natural because we have not yet become millionaires in our mind. You are not healed in the natural because you have not yet been healed in your mind. So before a victory is ever manifested in the earth realm, it is already a victory in your mind. But if you don't allow, if you don't cast down those imaginations that are contrary to what God has said, then you're going to entertain one of the other. And the Bible says that a lukewarm man, you know what it says, a double-minded man is unstable. So who are you going to believe? Will you be shakable or unshakable? What you going? What are you going to do with what you have? All right. And so, as we wrap up, you got to make a choice to be unshakable. You can make a choice today, Lord. I repent. I repent for entertaining thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God. I repent also, God, for then not only entertaining those thoughts, but using the authority that You've given me in Genesis. You told me to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, to uh, have dominion. Right? You told me to do all those things, and what I did, God, and You made me in Your image and Your likeness. And so, instead of saying what You have said about me, Father, I entertain the thoughts of the enemy. I entertain that thought of poverty. I entertain that thought of sickness. And I began to say things like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I, I, this is my high blood pressure. I began to look at images where I, where I had this disease for a long time. I began to use the power you gave me to live a good life, God, to use those words to tear down the very thing that you've given me. I repent, Father. I repent for that. And Father, I choose today to be delivered about what I believe. The same way I don't go into the, a closet full of clothes and the clothes jump on me and I am now dressed because I walked in a closet. It's the same way I can't just come to church and think faith going to jump on me and I'm going to be a man or woman of faith. It doesn't work that way. Faith is deliberate. And so the same way you go in your closet, and there's clothes available. You got to pick what you're going to wear. So the same way for the kingdom of God, faith is established by hearing the word of God. And so I don't just hear the word of God, but I got to do the word of God. And so I, I got to make sure that I'm going into the house of the Lord, that I'm spending time in my word, and I'm clothing myself in the armor of the God, that I'm picking up the breastplate breastplate of righteousness, that I'm holding up the shield of faith that, that quenches all the fiery darts of the, of the enemy. That's my job. And if I'm not deliberate in what I say, if I'm not deliberate in what I do, if I'm not deliberate in where I go, if I'm not deliberate in these things and guarding my heart, then what happens is then things just happen. And I end up not looking like who God told me to look like. 
And I know this makes sense to you. Because how many of you guys, Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, they're on vacation? Did you think they went on vacation on accident? You think that they just accidentally got a passport? They just, I mean, uh, yeah, a passport. They accidentally got on a plane. They accidentally had a place to stay when they got there. They accidentally uh, uh, had transportation to and from the airport. That wasn't accidental. Vacations aren't accidental. They're deliberate. So is faith. It is deliberate. It means that if I know I got an issue with money, I spend deliberate, carved out time studying what the kingdom has to say about money, what the kingdom has to say about healing, what the kingdom has to say about restoration and salvation. Faith is deliberate. Your attendance at church doesn't free you long term. Because there's a thing called surrogate faith. And you come and, 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 and somebody else's faith made you, made you heal, right? But you're going to find yourself bound again because you would, I mean, that wasn't something that you utilize your faith for. So in order to maintain what God has given you, you got to still exercise your own faith. Why? Because the will of God does not come to pass automatically. And walking by faith doesn't just jump on you. It doesn't. Walking by faith doesn't just jump on you. All right. So here are seven things I ask that you do. I didn't put them in a thing, Kale. Uh, so here are seven things I ask that you do. In order to have unshakable faith, in order to not be moved by the storms of life, in order to see the victory that God has already given you, in order to sit at the tip. I love it. He says, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of God's enemies. Baby, your haters can't stop you. The Lord says that he has a table before you. Your boss can't stop you. The company can't stop you. God already has a table prepared for you, right? So how do I have unshakable faith? How do I establish unshakable faith? Number one, I got to hear the word of God. We talked about that. Number two, you got to put the word into practice. Number three, you got to not let your heart condemn you, all right? You got to not let your heart condemn you. Uh, my bad, Kev. I can help you out on this one. Number four, uh, number four, you got to speak only what God has said. You got to speak only what God has said. Number five, you got to remove all parameters for believing. I have no parameters for believing. If God has said it, that settles it. If God has said it, that settles it. If Pastor Edwin or Pastor Shun has spoken a word from God, a prophecy, that settles it. I don't got to compare with flesh and blood. Even that means myself. That has settled it. I'll remove all parameters for believing. If, if, if the Lord told me I was going to have a house this year, then he already knew I had a, a 480 credit score. That does not matter. I remove all parameters for believing. Set, number six, you got to meditate on the word until what you read becomes a reality. I won't cave in. I won't quit. I'll be unmovable. Steadfast. When it comes to, I, I won't, I won't quit too early. I'll let patience have our perfect work, so I may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So I'll meditate on the word until what I read becomes my reality. And lastly, number seven, 
I will not lose hope. Know that trying of your faith works patience and patience will leave you perfect and unashamed. Her patience will leave. So that means that the enemy's like, well, you know you're 38 and you ain't married yet, but baby, I'm still living. And the Lord told me that I'll be married and it'll be good. So I thank you, Lord, that even if I get married at 45, he'll restore the years to me. And the, the time that I'm married will feel like as if I've been married since I was 20. So Lord, I just thank you. You don't let the enemy wear you out with the construct of time. You don't let him wear you out with that. And he don't let that cause you to lose hope. There's no time is a construct here on earth. For God, God's yes. And his, God's answer is yes and amen. It, but so I won't stop because I didn't see it this year. No, I didn't, I didn't get the house this year. Well, God told me I'm going to have a house, so it must be next year. Well, what people going to think? So what? What people going what they going to think if you get the house? What they gonna think if you get the job? What they gonna think if you get married? What they gonna think if you are debt free? What they gonna think if you totally heal? What they gonna think if your leg grow back? What they gonna think if you no longer depressed? What they gonna think then? So it's yes and amen, and I pursue God. I pursue God, and I know that my patience will lead. This is what the Bible says: that your patience will leave you perfect and unashamed. And see, here's where I'll, I'll, I'll end where we kind of started. Will you take God seriously? Will you let patience leave you perfect and unashamed? Or will you set parameters for God on how you're going to believe? Will you take Psalms 119 and 96 and put limits on God based on what you believe? So that's the word for the day. Establishing unshakable faith. I will not be moved. I will thrive through tough times. I will exercise my faith and experience the unlimited life that God has for me. I love that, Everett. I pursue God. The rest is not my business. You're right. I pursue God. The rest is not my business. And I refuse to center myself in kingdom matters. I refuse to center myself in kingdom matters. Amen. So let's go over our announcements. I pray that the word bless you. Uh, and that you use this word to understand that, guys, it doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we observe. We already overcome. We're unshakable. And we will use our unshakable foundation so that we can experience the best life. All right? Mankind, I was when I was studying this, I was studying in buildings because I like construction. When, when they're building a building in an earthquake prevalent zone, they dig a little deeper and they change the structure of how they build the building so that when earthquakes come, the foundation absorbs all of the energy from the earthquake. The, 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 so the, the, the foundation is shaking. The foundation is absorbing the heat and all of that energy so that the building remains standing. See, the word of God has, has existed from, 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 from creation until eternity. It has been designed to be that foundation for you that's capable of absorbing all the earthquakes of life. 
It can absorb all the storm so that you come out like the Hebrew boars having gone through fire and not smelling like smoke. Hallelujah. Having gone through fire. Why? Because the, my foundation absorbed all the storm. My foundation absorbed all the heat. My foundation absorbed all the impact. My foundation absorbed all the movement. My foundation did it for me. And all my job is, is to stay connected. I think that's John 15, right? It's, it's to abide, to stay connected to that vine. That's my job. So my job is just to believe that my foundation will absorb it all. And if the foundation absorbs it all, I'll remain standing. See, that's what Moses did when they was at the, at the river and they needed to go across and Pharaoh's army was behind them. They let the foundation absorb that. He said, because nothing I do going to get us through anyway. If we go through, we're going to drown in a river. If we go back, they're going to kill us. And so all I can do is rely on a foundation, that foundation being God. And he parted the sea. And they walked across on the Bible says dry land. And then the, when the army came through, the, the sea just washed away the army. Why? Because he stayed connected to the foundation. They dug a little deeper. They let patience have a perfect work and they left perfect and unashamed. Why? Because they refused to detach themselves from the foundation. All right, let's get out of here. Let's, let's get out of here. All right, so announcements. Let me get to the announcements. Today's Sunday. So uh, I'm not sure. We normally have strategies for success on Mondays. Passion's on vacation. So what I'll tell you is like, love, her personal and her, uh, I mean, her uh, professional page. If you get a notification that she's live, guess what? You got strategies for success. If you don't get a notification that she's live, guess what? She's done hundreds of them. Go listen to another one, all right? On Tuesday night, we're going to have prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Join us there for prayer um, and invite somebody to come join, join you as, as we pray. On Wednesdays, Ignite. We'll be meeting at seven o'clock, both our boys and our girls. Shout out to all the Ignite volunteers for holding that down. We appreciate you guys for sewing into our youth. But join them at 7 p.m. Uh, you get a uh, message, uh, Master Chandra or uh, or Centrisa, if you got more information about Victory Zone, I mean, about Ignite. If you got questions about Victory Zone, you can message me and I'll be able to answer those questions. Also, you can visit our website for more information. On Wednesday, I believe Pastor Edwin will be back this Wednesday, finishing up, not finishing up, uh, resuming his teaching on thriving. Uh, and so, uh, so I'll encourage you to come back for that thriving through the storm. So uh, join us back here Wednesday. If not, somebody will be here teaching the word. Uh, uh, either way to go. Then on Friday, we got Champion Circle at 7.30 a.m. Um, make sure you join us for that. Set your alarms. Our numbers keep going up. So guys, let's just keep showing up. Why? Because you remember the four things. Read your word daily. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, take a million more uh, often. <laughs> And don't miss the service. So make sure that you're uh, tuning into that. Then next week, we'll have our pa uh, uh, pastors, uh, no, I just Pastor Chris and Elder Valley back. I mean, it's crazy. It's two weeks in a row we haven't had them. So I'm ready for them to be back. All right. But don't let the only time you worship be on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. either. All right. So I don't know. Carry out. 
uh, and then we'll be back with Pastor Shirley and Pastor Edward next Sunday. All right. If you're a partner, if you're not a partner, uh, become a partner today. Uh, go to focchurch.com and scroll down to complete the partnership registration form. And I'll tell you this, partnership has its privileges. I'm on year number 21 of being a partner of Fellowship of Champions. And I can tell you that my life is better after having become a partner of this ministry and being challenged to grow up in the word of God. All right. And then lastly, at FOC, we have 100% tithers. We're so happy about that because we're able to take care of people all across the world. We've we sent money for whales. We've helped people get houses in different continents and pay bills. We're literally sowing seed all across the world. And the only reason that we're able to do that is because you guys uh, give the way that you do it. So we thank you for your giving. We thank you for your seed. You can give a give a five, push pay, tally, text to give. Or if you're an international partner, you can give it PayPal via FOC Church NWA at gmail.com. All right. And so lastly, don't forget about Healing School. If you haven't signed uh not Healing School, the Fire Conference. I don't think we got a banner for that, but the Fire Conference, uh Pastor Fire Conference conference. You can go visit her website, shunstrickland.com, but we're, they're having a fire conference December 9th and 10th, and then on the 11th, it'll be the fire conference mixed with our in-person huddle. It's going to be awesome, all right? Got high expectations. I know my wife is a uh, part of, they're studying about deliverance, they're fasting, they're doing everything to, to invite the spirit in to see that people are set free and delivered. And so I encourage you some, and to ask somebody you know and that we all fill the house on December the 11th at 11 a.m. for our uh, huddle, all right? So I love you guys. Be blessed and have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye-bye.